Welcome, everybody, to Blissfully Aware, the show in which three opinionated people discuss what's going on in fandom and nerd news in general. I am Bliss, and as always, I'm joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Kelty and Kendra. Hello! Hi, Internet! Hello, Lindsay Ellis stands. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Lindsay Ellis fan podcast. Oh, speaking of, like, God bless Ravenstag Outfitters and their pin. They're still getting drama. It's been like seven months. Oh, yeah, I mm-hmm. saw that. Yeah. Poe's mad. Man, <laughs> it's the most conservative mindset, though, to, like, buy the product that you that you disagree with so that you can destroy it on camera, question mark? To own the libs? Yeah. Yeah, what happened was this person, according to them, previously was a pro shipper and had bought the pin and then was, I guess, red-pilled against pro shippers and took the <laughs> pin out into the big air quote shed. It's right next to a computer mouse pad. So uh, it's not like a shed shed if they are storing nice electronics out there. <laughs> well, and they claim they took like power tools to it and then a piece of shrapnel shot out and almost caught them in the eye. So like, good job. What a devastating precaution. Right? The idea that they were pro-ship red-pilled is hysterically funny. I did read up on that, though. <laughs> Because I was interested. Sounds and very fake. That's a lie. I was gonna because, say. <laughs> because the pen hasn't been around long <laughs> enough for people to do a 180 on their whole personality, first of all. And if if it has, then that's fault of the person's personality. I mean, if it has, that means we're dealing with like a 14-year-old, I guess. Yeah. Which, don't let them have power tools. Yeah, why? No. <laughs> Please. That's yes, very unsafe. It's like setting your Nikes on fire because they support Black Lives Matter, even in a token way, yeah, is just destroying your own merchandise after you have paid for it. Yeah, bitch, after you give me your money, I don't give a fuck what you do with it. Like, you realize that, right? It's yours now. Do whatever you want. I don't care. It's not part of me. It, just, it belongs to you now. But also, very important, kids, if you're gonna play with power tools, please wear protective gear. Yes. Not good. You'll lose an eye that way. It's really scary, okay? Or you'll be like my my great uncle and lose the tips of your fingers. Yeah. Just be careful out there, kids. Owning the libs is not that important. (laughs) (laughs) That'll show those nasty pro shippers. (laughs) Well, you know what else isn't very important? Supernatural. That's that's not very important or relevant anymore. It's supposedly over. So I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently the drama continues. Yeah, season 16, as the kids were calling it. (laughs) So for the sake of Kelty's poor mental health, uh, we decided to call in a supernatural expert. Thank you, Major. For this one. Yes, Major, I'm gonna give them a PhD in supernatural. (laughs) Dr. Major. Uh, Dr. Major. Dr. Major, PhD in... Yeah, supernatural studies. No, PhD that sounds, that sounds like an X Files degree. Like <gasps> that's cool. That no, sounds like somebody you would see on Supernatural. Yes. Yeah, someone who has a PhD in the paranormal or something. Oh god, it is somebody you would see on Supernatural. We're sorry, uh, Major. So I'm gonna go ahead and cut to our interview with Major. Buckle up, y'all, because oh boy. 
something else. Welcome, Major! Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad you get to join us for the show. I need a supernatural expert. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so I guess I need to know how much of a background you need on the actors of the show. Let's do a quick overview because I know that they're both Texans, but that's about it. Okay. The, on the show, there was Sam and there was Dean. And Sam was Jared Padalecki and Dean was Jensen Ackles. Jared Padalecki married a co-star. Genevieve, and Jensen Ackles is married to Daniil Ackles. And then there is Misha Collins, who, even though this seems like a Jared and Jensen sort of centric drama, Misha always finds his way there. He loves drama. <laughs> yes, yeah. And he manages to insert himself in some interesting ways into the conversation, and, and not quite into the conversation. That I'll explain. So the reason that this is all coming back to us now is because of word of a prequel. Not even in production. They're talking about it. It's an idea. So season 15 ends. And 15, it was 15 seasons, not 17. And Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles had different reputations and different priorities and different wants and needs as, you know, differing humans sure. are want. And at the end of Supernatural, by that time, I believe Jensen Ackles had already signed on to join The Boys, the um, Amazon Prime series, and Jared Padalecki signed on to Walker, the CW's reimagining of the old um, Chuck Norris show, Walker, Texas Ranger. And um, overall, they, you know, tried to do this parting ways, sadly, sort of thing. And we're going to be involved in each other's lives. And everybody still loves the show and loves the characters and what have you. Uh, walking away from the show, Jensen Ackles, many hats. He has the boys coming up and he and his wife have a bar in austin yeah i've been to the bar <laughs> amazing i would never go there they also he and his wife the ackles has started a production company you know on their side they're moving more into that production sphere and jared panelicki is moving into the walker show and he has Believe it or not, a multi-level marketing scheme. Oh, no. He he's got a nutritional business named Mantra Labs. Oh, no. Yeah, it, it was launched in December. I don't know whether or not it's still around, but he's got that on top of the hashtag always keep fighting campaign, um, which is like sort of a mental health awareness sort of thing. Uh, so the word is that coming off of the show and, and moving in their separate directions, Jared Padalecki sort of wanted to get Jensen Ackles interested in mm -hmm. Walker and offered for him to come on and do some directing. He had done some direction of some episodes of Supernatural or do guest spots. He wanted him on and Jensen was like, eh, I'm, I'm doing these other things right now. I'm a busy man. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, both families have a zillion kids. I, I don't even know how many kids. Um, So they're, they've got lives and they really just wanted to, it seemed like, 
move out of productions that took place in Vancouver and stay home and stay nearer to their people and their families and, and, you know, their growing families. Fair, yeah. They really seem to be separating a little into these different productions, but suddenly, a few days ago, a Deadline article drops. Supernatural prequel, quote, The Winchesters in works at the CW from Jensen and Daniil Ackles. So their production company, I guess, retained some of the rights. Chaos Machine, that is their production company. It sure seems to have been a chaos machine. Absolutely, how apropos. They have announced this nascent idea of a prequel to Supernatural centering on Mama and Papa Winchester. It's complicated as as to what their motivations are and and what the content of that show would actually be. I'm going to get to that mm. in a minute. Let me just finish the timeline here. This deadline article comes out on Twitter. Eric Kripke says, congratulations, good job. Jensen drops the link and gets feedback from Misha Collins, you know, supportive, you know, if you need an angel on the show, let me know. Julie McNiven, who played another angel on the show, the lady who played Rowena, whose name is not coming to me at the moment. Um, so people pipe up, say good for you. And then Jared Panalecki retweets the link to the Deadline article saying, dude, happy for you. Wish I heard about this some other way than Twitter. <laughs> I'm excited to watch, but bummed that Sam Winchester had no involvement whatsoever. Oh. <laughs> he was left out in the cold. Again, bare bones idea. This is not in production yet. But the idea seems to be a view of John and Mary Winchester falling in love pre-show with Dean Winchester as the narrator. That sounds almost how I met your mother. It sounds, uh, or or young Sheldon, yeah, which uh, yeah, which is mm -hmm. yikes, That's not interested. Choice. Yeah, certainly, a lot of us not interested. Again, I'll get into why in a minute. So it, it starts blowing up because Jared Padalecki has stayed off of Twitter. Um, he's restricted his Twitter activity. There was there was some unfortunate incidents. Several years ago, he did not take some customer service situations very well and wisely decided, it seemed, to, to step back from Twitter and only post generic things like, here's a show that my friend is on, watch the show, and, you know, love my wife, and smart, just nice yeah. little things. <laughs> Um, so when the Jared Padalecki drama machine cranks back to life, everybody perks up and pays attention. Somebody replies or, or mentions both Charpad and, and Jackals. This has got to be a bad joke. Hello. This ain't it, sirs. We're freaking out. Jared replies, no, it's not. This is the first I've heard about it. I'm gutted. Oh. So he is clearly completely out of the loop on the entire thing and like totally willing to talk about it like air that laundry on twitter <laughs> sir yes that was the first move it seems you know which yeah. fair enough uh the the actors who didn't have you know big parts like julia mcniven who hadn't been on the show in years she had a very small role playing Anna, um, an angel who wasn't seen too many times, but was seen 
in some relevant flashbacks having to do with John and Mary Winchester. She had piped up about it, you know, producers and, and people had piped up about it and, and in public and to say congratulations. And it is sort of valid for him to step up and be like, what the fuck, you know? For sure. So this cranks the drama machine across platforms to life. Articles pop up on various websites. Oh my god, you know, half of the Winchesters didn't know. SPN family falling out. Shit hitting the fan. And we are left to, on Tumblr and Twitter, essentially juice this for every ounce of drama <laughs> that we can. So I, I'm not going to review every hysterically funny post that came up in the wake of this. It did somewhat resolve when people stepped up and went, Oh, we fucked up. You're right, we didn't tell Jarpad. It was fucked up of us to do that. Um, Eric Kripke tweeted, I believe this was the next day, Guys, when I wrote this, I assumed Jared knew. I was wrong. I already apologized to both him and Jarpad and Jensen Ackles worked it out. I love them both like brothers, both equally contributed to SPN. Families have bumps, they overcome them, that's why they're family. Hashtag SPN family. And um, there was a lot of talk, people used the bumps in the road metaphor thing. Jensen put out a tweet, a few people put out tweets or Instagram posts saying, you know, bumps in the road, families always have bumps in the road. So. Obviously, either somebody playing off of, of the same phrasing to make it seem like a cohesive message, or they did actually get together and talk it out and have a cohesive message saying, families have mm -hmm. bumps in the road. So, another portion of this, another ill-advised tweet from Jared, was directed at Bobo Baron, who was a producer on Supernatural. He threw out some sort of um, congratulatory message, and Jared's reply to him what was, um, Et tu brute? Wow. What a truly awful thing you've done. Hashtag bravo, you coward. Jesus. Yes. So this was at one of the people who produced Supernatural and who is supposedly going to be one of the players on this prequel and you know it was in response to a generic welcoming message um i believe these were deleted in a pretty quick order but the other ones the other tweets from jared still stand you know gutted and and dude happy for you mm -hmm. as things start resolving just as a fun little aside because yes misha has to insert himself into everything. He's in the middle of promoting the greatest scavenger hunt, and um, he's doing this constantly. I don't know when Gish is going on ever. It seems to be going on in, in some form at all times of year. But he was promoting it again, so in the middle of all this hilarious fallout, there's a new video of him sitting in a bathtub with a dog that e isn't even his. And people are just like, oh, tits out for the family, you know, because <laughs> we're all trying to get over this horrific drama that's rending the family apart. Um, <laughs> He's the one weird sibling. <laughs> he really is. Um, you know, maybe he's just trying to make everybody smile again, or maybe it really wasn't timed out at all. 
but delightful nonetheless. <laughs> People are are speculating that now. Number one, this article broke and this news broke and all of this started happening. I guess on the same night as Walker was airing a new episode, and supposedly it was an important one for the overall drama of the show. Mm. So this also overshadowed something important that was going on on Jared's show. Jared, no! (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately for him. (laughs) So, the idea of a prequel to Supernatural in the first place is a little fraught because of the nature of what they're saying it's going to be. Mary Winchester and John Winchester meeting and falling in love and what can that actually encompass? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> the problem is it it doesn't seem like it can encompass much. It certainly can't be a romance. Just to explain how it works a little bit, the show established that Mary and John hated each other. And they were forced to get together by an angel, a Cupid, who shot them with the arrow and everything and made them fall in love so that they would have Sam and Dean and the entire prophecy of the entire show would come to pass. And these people didn't like each other and didn't know each other. John Winchester did not know about hunting until Mary Winchester died. Mary Winchester grew up hunting, but was trying to move away from that and into a normal life. So Mm -hmm. is this about her hunting with her family? Is this about their struggle in their relationship of not liking each other and then suddenly being forced to like each other? Which sounds gross. Yeah. How long can we beat this dead horse? Uh, yeah. S- seemingly forever. <laughs> please don't. Please don't do this to me. So just one more aspect of, of what has complicated the drama is that the drama could conceivably not even really exist. There was an episode, (laughs) yes, there was an episode in season six, number 15, called The French Mistake. In The French Mistake, Sam and Dean are sent to an alternate reality where they don't exist. They are characters on a TV show played by Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles. And on the show, (laughs) they are not friends. Jared and Jensen are not friends. And... They are mean to each other, and part of what gives the game away, because they're trying to pretend that they are the actors playing themselves, is that the cast start noticing that they're buddies now, because they're not friends in real life. And the 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 message that you carry away from the show, you know, they may be millionaires, they, they max out one of their credit cards in, in trying to search for an artifact while they're doing their little hunting mission, while they're pretending to be actors and uh, Sam sees that he's married to hot Ruby and um, (laughs) you know, they're like, you know, this, this could have been a great life. And the message is no, absolutely. Sam is like, no, this wouldn't be a great life because we're not even brothers in real life. and, And that bothers me. So this wouldn't be good. And we fight and that's not cool with me. And, and so just due to this one episode, you know, did this drama actually really exist? Or was this drama just to keep these actors at the forefront of our minds? Like straight tinfoil hat time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I- I'm all 
in for a good Twitter feud. Yeah, and that seems to be, if they're not highly amused as I am, they are a little bummed about it, but I, I think that's mostly the crowd who go to conventions and are, by the way, there are cons planned at this moment. Tickets have been sold. So these people will be seeing each other and will be palling around on stage and answering fan questions. Oh my god. Supernatural fans at conventions? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Supernatural fandom. You guys at conventions are wild and in, like, in wow. The best of, yeah, in the best of times, it's batshit. And in these times, and I'm not just even talking about COVID, I'm, I'm talking about the the spin-out from the end of a series that ended in a way that a lot of people didn't like. Uh, it, it, and now they're going to walk up to these people and, as they do, boldface ask them about very personal shit in front of giant rooms and, and in front of recordings, you know? Oh, in front of giant rooms of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I have been, I have been at panels where people just straight up ask actors shit like, you know, what do you think about your character fucking their brother? I'm sorry, I don't know why I keep dragging it. Supernatural triggers me. It brings back those early 2013 Tumblr convention days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with the already present, like, big air quotes conspiracy about the Dean Cass and me, you, the love confession... Yeah. Oh my god, the convention circuit's gonna be fucking batshit! Yeah, oh my I, god. I am, I'm gonna add some more filter words. I do not want to see any of this business. <laughs> the, it's no, mortifying. No, you have to pay attention. I have no. to bring you on, major PhD <laughs> supernatural expert. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. The burden I bear. Wow. Yeah. Man, Supernatural will never fail to bring me joy from its drama. Um, there is something I forgot to mention, and I don't know if you even care about it. Hey, hit me. I'm into it. I'm already- you've piqued my interest. <laughs> former former senior advisor to Trump coming to defend Jared Padalecki's tweets. Um, what? So, so in, in the reversal tweets, I guess- Jarpad said, Hey world, thank you for the love. Please, please don't send any hate or threats. I care deeply about everybody involved and would be in true misery if any of them were harmed or threatened. Uh, mm -hmm. Somebody replied, My dude, you handled this badly. You absolutely should have been told, but damn dude, you put your friends on blast in public. Not cool. AJ Delgado replies, No, he didn't, quote, handle it badly. Why should he have to swallow his shock and only address the matter privately when no one gave him the public courtesy? He found out he'd been shafted via a public article, no courtesy heads up, so yes, he handled it as any authentic person does. Oh you never want to um, be on the same side of these people. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm upset. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no tie to the show outside of enjoying the drama, but now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, largely upsetting in some ways. There are other more upsetting things I don't even have the energy to get into. Frankly. How many? How um, many fan 
dums, fandoms, am I going to find out, have a bunch of Trump supporters in them. I shouldn't be surprised at this point. But freaking last episode, we just talked about the FNAF fandom and Trump. Like, what's going to happen mm. next week? <laughs> Major! I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Well, I mean, good for the Supernatural fans, I guess. Good for the... I'm going to take a stance. Good for the non-Trump supporting Supernatural fans. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Good for... Good Controversial for opinion on this show. <laughs> no. Con controversial opinion on any fandom. I don't need Trumpers anywhere near me. Thank you. <laughs> well, I feel more educated now. Everybody was screaming about okay. Supernatural this past week, and I was just like... I'll figure it out yeah. eventually. <laughs> I hope they get past the bump in the road. Well done. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I'm being such a shit about this. No, you, you circled back around. <gasps> I did it! Hells yeah. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> well, Major, thank you so much for coming on and explaining this to me, because I, I understand that even in the year of our lord 2021 discussing supernatural seems silly but but ding dang it if this fandom doesn't bring us the drama the tea is still hot i have no idea what to do i wish they would stop putting the kettle on <laughs> <laughs> well then buckle up for i guess the next drama because you're gonna have to come back you're my All expert right. you're i'll pay attention done. to it just for you okay <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And we are back. Welcome back. Wasn't that a hoot? <laughs> it was just like the, the climactic scene in The Social Network where Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> forced Spider-Man out of the company and they had a they had a screaming fight in front of the whole office. He's wearing his fuck you flip-flops. <laughs> It'll yes. be like you're not a part of Supernatural, Jared. <laughs> and from what I understand, Jared Padalecki has had some, like, anger issues in the past. Some. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> recently, like, I think last year sometime, or maybe the year before. It was 2019. 2019. Got arrested because he got into a physical altercation with one of his bartenders. Yeah. So... You can Google the pictures of him in cuffs outside the bar. Oh, no! Before he bribes the cops into letting him go. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I look forward to the Jensen and Jared starring stage performance <laughs> of The Social Network, hopefully coming to Broadway, where Mark Zuckerberg and Eduardo Saverin are played by two grown men in their 40s. <laughs> and say shit like at two brutes. And it's done in the nude. <gasps> On Twitter. Oh, dude, could you imagine? That would be fucking avant-garde. Do a stage <laughs> production of The Social Network in the nude starring Jensen Ackles and Jared Malecki. Okay. <laughs> it's like uh, after Harry Potter when Daniel Radcliffe did that weird Equus play ah, where mm -hmm. he was on stage in the nude just to just to fully distance himself from Harry Potter as much as possible, which I get. Me too, but Growing also <laughs> also when that happened, my first thought was, oh no, I've seen Harry Potter's penis. So like I don't know. My first thought was, oh, I've seen Harry Potter's penis. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between a bisexual and a lesbian? There yeah. you go, please. 
<laughs> so speaking of seeing penises, super smooth segue bliss. <laughs> y'all, y'all, we ought to talk about something that the children just discovered and is driving me up the wall. Do you know the kids just figured out what self-cest is? Yeah. Yes. Everyone's super mad about it. Which is funny. It's super funny. It's especially funny to me because one of my first fandoms has canon self-cest in it. (laughs) (laughs) It's 100% canon. For anybody who doesn't know, self-cest is literally, it's self-incest. It's when you have sex with yourself. Like, like a clone or time travel or... Uh, yeah, version of you from the past or... Masturbating while thinking of Tyler Durden. Yes, you you <laughs> and your dissociative identity disorder buddy. Uh, evil alternate universe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh. like, to underline, things that are impossible. This is something that can only happen in fiction because... So far, at least, there's no such thing as human clones. There's no there's no way to contact your alternate timeline selves. <laughs> so, yeah, it's impossible in a meaningful way. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the way that can, I guess, happen in fiction, because fiction's not real. And so, apparently, the Marvel-Loki show is happening. And I haven't watched it. Yet. Uh, but... I am being bombarded constantly with everyone's opinions and reactions and takes of the Marvel Loki show, because this was probably the most anticipated one, because Loki is a fan favorite. Mm -hmm. He's the only good Marvel villain in the MCU so far. And without spoiling too much, he meets a version of himself from an alternate timeline. Not even an alternate timeline, I guess, but like an alternate universe, because this version of himself is a blonde woman. So it's an extremely different version of himself. And I think she goes by the name Sylvie. Sylvie. And yeah, they have met through time travel portal shenanigans. And to my knowledge, they don't have like an explicitly romantic relationship. They are just like, they recognize one another because they are like, they are the same soul in two different bodies. You know, they, 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 They understand one another's pain and suffering. They understand one another's, you know, destructive urges. They understand one another in a way that I don't think either of them have been understood. So yeah, they have, like, a very powerful, deep relationship very quickly. But there is no, like, on-screen, like, declarations of, like, I love you or kissing. Yeah, they, like, hold hands once or something. Yeah. And they're working together to do stuff. I'm not- I'm not- sure on that part but obviously the ship has taken off people love it because finally poor sad boy loki the the misunderstood artsy theater student to thor's jock quarterback brother (laughs) character uh feels understood and has a partner and is they're they're doing wacky trickstery hijinks and stuff and one half of the fandom is like hot i love this pairing i want them to love and support each other and do wacky time travel shenanigans and the other half is like gross that's incest and that is the state of fandom discourse today my favorite is somebody somebody tweeted that picture from Infinity War where Steve <laughs> oh, yeah. is fighting past Steve. Yes. And they're like, it's like shipping this. 
And it's like, oh, did we not ship that? Steve looked at his own ass. Oh, yeah. Steve, future Steve, checked out his own ass <laughs> in the old Captain America getup, the best Captain America getup, by the by, and was like, damn, what a good ass. Several characters commented on his ass. <laughs> and Steve, token heterosexual Rogers, was like, damn, that is a good ass. <laughs> So, you know, maybe that wasn't quite the point you thought it was. Yeah, you kids are weak and won't survive the winter. <laughs> Again, something that is only achievable in the realm of fiction. Oh yeah, totally. This is not the rhetoric that a lot of quote-unquote aunties use, is that you can't partake in these sorts of dark themes in fiction, whether it's like an abusive relationship or like a sexually inappropriate relationship that can't be included in fiction because it could possibly contribute to the normalization of that sort of abuse in real life. So now we have we have a scenario that literally cannot be replicated in real life. I wish but it it's could. But it's still <laughs> abuse somehow. Normalize having sex with yourself. It's incredibly revealing that they've never actually cared about quote unquote real abuse or survivors or the normalization of bad massive air quotes things mm. because now that we have a scenario that literally can never be replicated, you're still a bad person for wanting to see Loki fuck a female version of himself from another universe, I guess. And it's like, in the show, from what I understand, it's like a huge metaphor for learning to love yourself and yeah. accept yourself and your flaws and all that. And I think that's fucking delightful. Yeah, and that's really sweet. If people want to see them kiss and make out and fuck as an extension of that metaphor go nuts it's disney like most there will be a kiss on the cheek or yeah. something so like go imagine that draw that write that who gives a fuck mm -hmm. and like in this tweet you mentioned bliss like it was hotly contentious whether or not this was self-cessed or not but a lot of people we're making the argument that Loki and Sylvie, quote, have the same DNA, or quote, come from the same DNA, like these mythical space Vikings have DNA? I don't like they think they do. Like they evolved from amoebas and sponges <laughs> like we did? There's an alligator, Loki. Are they apes? <sighs> like, are they great apes like we are? Or, or perhaps maybe these mythical deity space vikings don't have DNA. <laughs> maybe they don't order families the way we do. Maybe being creatures that can traverse timelines occasionally, they're used to this sort of thing. I, it was just so funny to me that everyone was like, no, it's bad because they have the same DNA. Like, they have DNA. <laughs> like, they're monsters from Jurassic Park. <laughs> and, like, even if they did... Life finds a way. So it do. It do. And so, like, then, if DNA is the problem, does that mean any form of incest that can't result in a pregnancy, like in, a, in an offspring, is that then a-okay? Because the DNA is irrelevant? Like, it was so weird to see everyone, in t like, so focused on the fact that they have the same DNA. Like, the scientists from E.T. burst into the room, you know, and 
I know Kelty's never seen E.T. because it's a traumatic experience for her. <laughs> but there's a shot in E.T. when, like, E.T. and Elliot are on the, the, the medical tables and, like, the scientists are running a million tests around them. And, they're, like, everything's draped in, like, hazmat gear. And one of the scientists runs into the lab and he's like, It's got DNA! Referring to E.T. Because it was a huge momentous scientific discovery that this this alien life form was made of the same sort of life building blocks that we are. Yes. Like that was that was one of the foundational things, one of the foundational tests they ran to try and understand this alien life form. So the idea that we're so certain that somehow Mm-hmm. Space Vikings from a fictional universe have DNA, and the similarity of their DNA is what this whole House of Cards rests upon. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Okay. I also would this like is the to dumbest point thing out. I've ever said. <laughs> I would also like to point out <laughs> Loki has fucked a horse. Oh, thank you. I was gonna say that. <laughs> so perhaps fucking himself. From a different universe entirely. Isn't that weird to him? They show the horse love child in the first yeah, movie. He's not only like for a second. He's not only <laughs> fucked the horse, he procreated with the horse. Mm-hmm. And he was the mommy. <laughs> so clearly, none of your bullshit matters. You can't make it mean less than it already does to Loki. Okay? I just need to get that across to all you kids. Yeah, it is kind of hysterical that all of these, like, 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds on Twitter think that this, like, ancient eldritch being of, like, trickery and chaos would care at all Yeah, <laughs> that he slept with one of his relatives. I... Because, again, this is, this is not Marvel canon, by the way. In the fucking historical mythology of the Nordic people... Loki, as a female horse, distracts a male horse, basically to win a bet. Like, I'm not kidding. And uh, he does his job too well, and the male horse catches up with him. And they that is where Odin's eight-legged horse Sleipnir comes from. It is literally the child of Loki with a male horse. Yep. It's also, it's strange to me how in 2012... After the first Avengers movie happened, there was a plethora, and I, I mean it, but a lot of fix where Loki gangbangs himself <laughs> via mirror images yes. of himself. There was there was much much fan material of Loki fucking his own glamour clones or yeah, whatever the fuck they were. The mirror images. He is incredibly self-obsessed. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And also, needy. Aw, same. He's very needy. <laughs> so, <laughs> one for love. So, I mean, if I could do that, I probably would. Let's oh, I'd fuck, I'd fuck me so if, hard. <laughs> oh, yes, if I could have, like, a mirror image of myself, like, tell me I'm good, oh, yeah. oh, that would be, <laughs> like, that would be, like, thousands of dollars of therapy I could save. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a bad segue, but Kendra, there's been some news. Some serious news. Oh, yes. Okay. So we actually talked about this on the podcast once before, how in January of last year, so January 2020, a science fiction fantasy magazine called Clark's World published a story titled, I Sexually Identify as an Attack Helicopter. And it was 
about that. It was a small short story where a uh, a woman pilot, like a military pilot of a helicopter, literally has her gender reassigned to that of her attack helicopter to make her a better pilot. And it was an examination of gender identity specifically. Also, this gets lost, I guess, uh, in a lot of the coverage, but it was also a very interesting look at how the military-industrial complex co-ops identity to suit its needs, basically. How the military-industrial complex integrates personal identity and erodes personal identity in pursuit of, like, more violence. That was a That's an angle to the story that a lot of people don't bring up in the outrage that happened, because I had not read it last time we talked about it. I have now, and it's really good. Like... I had literally no problems with it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very promising piece of writing. Soon after it goes live, Twitter fucking loses its mind because basically there is very little information available about the author, Isabel Fall. Now, if you've been on the internet, I don't know, since 2017 or earlier, you may have heard the meme I sexually identify as an attack helicopter because it was a way that reactionaries to, I guess, like the centering of transgender rights sort of in the public discourse in the last couple of years. It was a meme that they used to highlight what they consider to be like the absurdity of being able to identify as whatever you want. So if, someone says, I identify as a woman, or, you know, I identify as non-binary, their searing retort to that mm. to that sort of concept was to say then, well, I sexually identify as an attack helicopter, and, you know, pew, 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 and mm. I, I demand that you you honor my, my gender identity, and that. It was a way, basically, to mock the, the very idea of, like, gender identity and transgender identity, yes. And it's been old for a while. So Isabel Fall, entitling her short story this, and I guess also even in, like, not even just the title, but the content of the story in general, was being intentionally provocative in the way that she co-opted this meme and deconstructs it in a way that is like sympathetic and revealing and nuanced and interesting um a lot of people on twitter did not think that (laughs) a lot of people on twitter proclaimed that this was in fact not a woman writing this this was not a trans woman writing this this was clearly a male cishet troll so they they go a little fucking ham with it over the course of a couple days. Let me just pull up my receipts. <laughs> Probably the most well-known author to stick their foot in their mouth over this whole thing was uh, N.K. Jemison. Uh, She is a fantasy sci-fi author. Her most famous work is probably the Broken Earth series. Literally all three books (laughs) won the Hugo Awards, the Hugo Award for Best Novel the year they were published. And she had an unfortunate take because uh, I'm I'm, I'm just going to read you what uh, she posted at the time. Quote, finally caught up on the helicopter story at Clark's World. Plenty of trans and NB folks have expressed themselves on the matter, and their viewpoints should be centered. 
but if anyone needs to hear it, I'm glad the story was taken down by its author. Not all art is good art. Sometimes art causes harm. And granted that marginalized creators end up held to a higher standard than others, which is shit, but... Uh, That's because we know what harm feels like up close and personal. Artists should strive to do no, brackets, more of this harm. And I say this as someone who's done harmful things and will end up doing them despite my best efforts. It's easy to fuck up. Yeah, irony. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy to fuck up. Everyone does it eventually. You gotta fix it, though, as best you can. Or if you can't, learn and do better next time. And so someone pushed back on this, being like, did you fucking read the story, though? Uh, To which she replied, no, I haven't read the story, as I said. I'm speaking to the fact that the author was hospitalized with suicidal ideation and a number of trans and NB people mentioning their own PTSD symptoms emerging after reading or trying to read the story. That's their own wording. So, basically, I mean, that kind of fucking speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't think that really needs anything else. Basically, good. (laughs) Queer people should not be allowed to tell stories that bother people. They should not be allowed to tell stories about their queerness that that is not approved by the Council of Queers. Because I guess I didn't mention Isabel Fall, trans woman. Uh, She's a trans woman. (laughs) This was something she wrote specifically wrestling with the idea of identity, gender identity. Okay. Author Aaron Dembo uh, had a blisteringly bad take thread Mm. on the original story back in January of 2020. Quote, I'm going to come right out and say it, that the story does not feel like it was written by a cis or trans woman. It feels like Isabel Fall, air quotes, is a straight cis person who is a current or former helicopter pilot, probably a white dude. When the narrator in the story says, quote, I wanted to be good at being a woman, she immediately defaults to surface details, quote, being good at being a woman means you wear high heels and makeup. Femmes have a word for that shit, We don't call it womanhood, we call it glam. So, uh, yeah, nuclear fucking take. Ouch. Uh, also another author by the name of, what was it, Neon Yang, basically, uh, published an, like, I don't have Yang's original tweets. Yang, uh, last month came out with an apology, quote unquote, about the role they played in the Twitter pylon of Isabel Fall. I'm gonna read you this, this tweet. Quote, she deserved better. A better editor and publication journey. An editor would have, who would have known how to handle its sensitive material and deliberately provocative title, who would have done some due diligence. Um, suck which, that's like, an apology? Like, not, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry your publisher did you wrong. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so anyway, so all of that said, basically, to hugely abbreviate, Isabel Fall, newly out trans woman, writes this short story about a woman, a pilot, whose gender identity is literally reassigned to her helicopter in order to make her a better pilot and thereby eroding her identity with her womanhood. So yeah. That happens. Uh, Twitter fucking freaks out, says it's a troll, a man wrote this, this is a disgusting perversion of what it means to be trans, how could anyone do this, how could Clark's World publish this? Isabel Fall has a mental breakdown, asks the publishing magazine Clark's World to take the story down, 
and checks herself in to a psychiatric emergency unit because she's going to kill herself. And that's what happened. And we don't hear about Isabel fall again for a while. When it comes out that, yes, this woman was trans, in fact, she was newly trans and was driven to suicide due to the reaction to her story, a lot of people dropped it real fast. Basically, this story fell off the face of the earth. Twitter pretended it never happened. Jesus, fuck. that's basically what happened until uh, last month, an article got published on Vox. Basically, about this whole shit show, the mechanisms by which Twitter destroys a person's life, how queer people police one each other, on and on and on. So the article uh, was written by Emily Vanderwerf, also a trans woman, just so we're all fucking clear about it. And yeah, she talks to Isabel Fall a lot, talks about what happened to her, talks about like the repercussions, and basically, the most devastating thing to come out of all of this is that Isabel Fall has decided to not transition. She is going back in the closet. She is going to live as a man, has decided that, you know, her first foray into examining her gender identity in a public space was met with such vitriol, such animosity that she can't take it. She, she can't withstand it again. She is not going to transition. That's sad. And the second thing is that you basically can't, you cannot read, by her choice, by Isabel's choice, you cannot read this story anymore, at least in an official capacity. It is archived. It is possible to find copies of this story. She would ask that you do not read it. So when I read it, I had to, I had to read it with the knowledge that the author would prefer I don't, which was a strange, thing. Like, ultimately, I decided to read it because I wanted to be informed about what I was talking about. But it's kind of one of those things that only the internet offers because I don't imagine that would have been possible before to, like, unpublish Mm -hmm. something. I'm surprised it's not having more of a Streisand effect. Uh, I think it kind of is. I think people just aren't mentioning it because they, they would have a bunch of, you know, Twitter trolls dogpiled on being like, ah, you're disrespecting the wishes of this woman. So like, Hmm. why advertise that, right? Like, I'm sure it's one of the most read stories on Clark's world ever now. So yeah, Emily in her article writes, quote, like most internet outrage cycles, the fracas over I sexually identify as an attack helicopter was enormous news within the bubble of people who cared about it and made barely a blip outside of that bubble. Because again, this is a queer science fiction story in a small digital publication. This is huge news to a very small subculture. And because because our subcultures are small and vulnerable, we like to police the fuck out of them, which is a back-ass words way of going about, I don't know, any sort of moral social agenda, but there you go. Quote, The full tale is amorphous and weird, and recounting its ins and outs is nearly impossible to do here. Just try to explain the motivations of all those involved is a task in and of itself, and at any rate, that story has been told many times, quoting others extensively. Fall has never spoken publicly about the situation until now. Clark's World published Fall's story on January 1st, 2020. For a while, people seemed to like it. Quoting an author... I was in awe of it at a sentence level. I thought it was beautiful and devastating and incredibly subversive and surprising. 
It did all this work in a very short amount of space, which I found completely breathtaking. It had been a long time since I had read a short story that I had enjoyed and that had also rewired my brain a little bit, said author Carmen Maria Mikado, who had read the story before the controversy had broken out. So, in the first ten days after Attack Helicopter was published, what muted criticism existed was largely confined to the story's comments section on Clark's World. The tweets that still exist from that period were largely positive in responses to the story, often from other trans people. But first, in Clark's World's comments, and then on Twitter, the combination of the story's title and the relative lack of information about Fall began to fuel a growing paranoia around the story and its author. The presence of trolls who seemed to take the story's title at face value only added to the paranoia, and when reading through the lens of, quote, Isabel Fall is trolling everybody, attack helicopter started to seem menacing to plenty of its readers. Neil Clark, Clark's World's editor, pulled the story on Fall's behalf on January 15th, replacing it with an editorial note that in part read, quote, The recent barrage of attacks on Isabel have taken a toll, and I ask that even if you disagree with the decision, that you respect it. This is not censorship. She needed this done for her own personal safety and health. So, yeah. I feel like I have covered at least the basics of what happened here. I am going to read this quote that is in the article from Isabel herself, because I think it's phenomenal. I'm devastatingly sad about what happened to her, and the pattern that I see repeated among queer circles, policing one another for purity of intent. I think that's a distinctly American way to go about being queer, and nothing good can come of it, I'll say that. First of all, this is a quote from the article. Such a conversation around gender is not particularly conducive to those who are figuring out their gender in public, as all trans people must do eventually. It's especially not conducive for two artists who are exploring their gender in their art under even greater degrees of public scrutiny, which is to say that conversation is not conducive to people like Fall. Quote from Isabel Fall, We make boxes that seem to enclose a satisfying number of human experiences, and then we put labels on those and argue about them instead, she says. The boxes change over time according to a process which is governed by, as far as I can tell, cycles of human suffering. We realize that forcing people into the last set of boxes was painful and wrong. We wring our hands, we fold up some new boxes, and assure ourselves that this time we got it right, or at least right enough for now. Because we need the boxes to argue over. I do not want to be in a box. I want to sift through your fingers to vanish to be unseen. God, that's so sad. Yeah, like... That's brutal. It's so sad. It's very reminiscent of seeing kids fight on Twitter about pride flags. Yeah. And which flags you're allowed to use and which ones you aren't because you aren't the right sort of queer. It's a very nationalist way to compose one's identity in these rigorous camps and give them fucking flags and, I don't know, fight for the Iron Throne or something or, like, whatever. (laughs) Like, this further and further reduction of identity, like, into these, like, adversarial camps is so bad. I don't have a better word for it. It's bad. It's a bad thing. It results in weird acrimonious attacks on queer people like this for doing messy queer art, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And it it seems like the whole wish is to just sanitize the human experience, especially the human queer experience, 
Because I'll see kids on Twitter be like, why do all gays have to be sex freaks? God, you're just proving the straights right. Um, because I want to. Yeah. And because it's not a bad thing. And by, by kowtowing to straight people's respectability politics, you have already lost, friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to curtail myself to make straight people more comfortable. That's for fucking sure. I live <laughs> for the pearl clutching. I like to walk by old straight people and have them grab their purse and avoid me. That gives me energy. I don't care if it doesn't give you energy. It's not about you. I like to scare people who feel comfortable every day. That's a good way to say it, actually. Yes, part of me wants to discomfort heteronormativity. Mm -hmm. I don't want to conform to heteronormativity. That shit hates me. Yep. I don't want to please it. I don't want to placate it. I want to discomfort people who have never been discomforted once in their life over their sexual or gender identities. Like, ever since quote-unquote identity politics, like, I say that with huge derision, um, has become mainstream, at least to younger people, it's weird to see it be, like, grafted onto the already existing social structure of, like, bullying yeah. and social control. Like, the same methods of bullying are still there. They just utilize social identity rhetoric to, I don't know, make their point a little more concisely. And so now, no longer are you just, like, I don't know, attacking a person's style or interests. Like, ah, oh, you dress stupid, or ah, oh, you like D&D, you're a fucking nerd. Now it's like, you're not really gay because you ship something. So this trend that there is towards, like, gatekeeping people's identities based on what they like, what they partake in, is bad, actually, yeah. and maybe we should stop. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, if you, I hope you put the article in the. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Links in the description. Links in the description. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, links in the description, everyone, because <laughs> it's very much worth reading. I would like to think that at least queer author slash book Twitter has learned a fucking lesson over this. I doubt it. Fingers crossed. A lot of the apologies that came out, like, N.K. Jemison uh, had an apology, so did uh, Aaron, um, were bad. They were basically variations of, I'm sorry you misunderstood me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, like, I don't know. That's it. The, the This horribly tragic story of Isabel Fall, who just wanted to explore her gender identity through her writing and got her fucking life ruined for it. Well, you know... It, it's so fucking sad, and sometimes, not to make it about me, uh, but sometimes I wonder why I don't write or create more transgressive art, and then I think about shit like this, and I'm like, that's why. Yeah. Obviously, I've said many times, policing one another's artistic creative output is bad, and no longer is it bad, it's harmful, it's detrimental. It's one step removed from, like, chasing down Frankenstein's monster with pitchforks. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing to me how in this last year, the public opinion of Twitter mobs has gone from hysterical, like we all love to dunk on Bean Dad, to suddenly, you know, the blue checkmark accounts being like, oh no, maybe I was the baddie all along. Yeah. Like, and... 
<laughs> like, that's kind of the point I wanted to get at, you know, when we were talking about Lindsay Ellis, of like, yeah, Lindsay, it's a shame that this happened to you. This is terrible. You shouldn't have had to experience it. So please stop contributing to this sort of behavior on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know what's going to happen, because I don't think anyone's getting off Twitter. No. Like, I'm done. I've been done for a while, but I am officially done now with wholesomeness. I am so done, finished. especially with queer wholesomeness. I don't want your soft boys or your aesthetics or your cottage cores. I want angry, dirty, bloody queer art, please. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it, it makes me nervous as an artist, which is why I will only ever create mediocre art. I will live just mediocre. I've done fine with mediocre. <laughs> I'll continue to do fine with mediocre. <laughs> I'd argue that your art is not mediocre, Bliss, and I think that you anger plenty of people with it. Aw, thanks. We talk about the thing? I think we talked about the thing. Yeah. Isabel deserved more. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I hope more. that these authors that harassed her have a very dark night of the soul. Um, well, what about something happy? Let's talk about something happy. Y'all have a happy nerdy thing from this week? (laughs) So Kendra's never really seen that many episodes of King of the Hill. (laughs) Oh, yeah! King of the Hill! So we're watching King of the Hill. We downloaded the whole thing and are watching it. And, um, I haven't watched it since leaving Texas. Man, rewatching it lately, especially in a post-Trump era, is something. Just... It makes oh, Dale baby. funnier. We are not in a post-Trump era. Well, Dale wouldn't have voted for Trump. No, Dale wouldn't have no, voted at all. But he would have oh. been deep into QAnon. Yes. Well, yes. Yes, he would. Uh-huh. Dale is QAnon. Dale is Q. Dale is Q. <laughs> oh my god. I accept that headcanon. Oh, that's great. What a good show. What a good show. I rewatched it at the beginning of 2020. I rewatched the whole series. Aww. <laughs> anyway, what about you? I watched the new Disney Pixar movie, Luca. And. Oh, yeah, how was it? If you want an example of queer coding, watch that fucking movie. Those fish boys are gay. Those are gay fish boys. <laughs> Those are gay fish boys, and you cannot change my mind. It is a story about them leaving home, finding themselves in each other, like learning to overcome fear, finding a new family, discovering the world as new people. Those fish boys are gay as fuck. It's adorable. I know that it's about two young Italians who become fish people. No, other way around. Two young fish people who become Italians? Yes. Okay, whatever. Oh. (laughs) I liked it, though. I didn't think I'd like it. I didn't have any, like, high expectations for it. I knew barely anything about it. But I heard chatter that the fish boys were gay representation, and I, yeah, I agree. I think they are great gay representation, and I accept no criticism. Oh, yay. Well, anyway, thank you all for joining us this week. If you want to find us online, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Blissfully Show. I post links to our YouTube there. If you're watching us on YouTube, hi, hello. Comment, like, subscribe, all the YouTube stuff. You know the drill by now. And of course, big thanks to our resident supernatural expert, Major PhD. Thank you, Major. Love you, Major. (laughs) Until next time.
Bye. Bye. Eric Kripke put fucking tweet during the election that he had to retract saying that Dean would have thought about voting for Trump because Trump was hot with the ladies. I'm upset.